Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Yoav Suprin, who is a physical therapist and author of the book Aging Without Aching. We're going to be talking about how to relieve pain, improve your posture, and move better. So without further ado, here is Dr. Suprin. Welcome to the program, Dr. Yoav Suprin. Did I pronounce it right that time? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, our first question we have is, could you give us a summary of your background? Originally from Israel, came to America in 1995, started as a personal trainer in uh, New York City. My dad is American, so I had a passport, so it was fairly easy transitioning from being in the Air Force for four years in Israel to coming to America. I said, if you can make it in New York City, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> And uh, always loved working with the body. So on 57 and 2nd Avenue in Manhattan, there's a gym called the Excelsior Club. And I got a job there. But the first thing they asked me to do is to become certified personal trainer. And I'm sure your listeners know it was very easy for me to become a trainer. I ordered a book, American Council on Exercise, ACE. I studied the book, passed the CPR course, and I was a trainer. And unfortunately, I injured a lot of people. Not intentionally, didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, I, I tried to get better, associate myself with better trainers, more experienced, but I could never figure out what to do when someone have back pain, neck pain, and it keeps getting worse, and I kept stretching them, and some of the stretches were inappropriate. Later on in life, I understood why. And decided when NYU opened the DPT, the Doctorate in Physical Therapy program in, in, in New York, decided to join and learned a lot about the body and it was a great program. And when I graduated, I went to work for one of my professors and started to do some work with pelvic floor dysfunction, but also uh, her name was Evelyn Hecht, an amazing clinician. And Evelyn said to me, she was my boss, she said, I also want you to take a McKenzie course. I said, okay. I took a McKenzie Part A, and I saw patients with back pain, sciatica, uh, get better in, in four days, literally, markedly better. And I was like, whoa, how is that possible? How come I never knew anything about what I just saw in the course in those previous years? And trainers, unfortunately, I didn't know. Some trainers do know. I didn't know some of the tricks of the trade. Then came Part B. McKenzie Part B. I had neck pain that radiated from my neck to my upper traps, shoulder blade intermittently into my left arm, and I constantly stretched. It was on the left. I constantly stretched to the right, and I would go into doorways, and I would have pressure against those trigger points, you know, in lacrosse balls and tennis balls and massage and adjustments, and it always came back. Eight months of suffering. Mackenzie Part B. In four days, my problem was resolved, and I was blown away that I learned to move in a specific direction multiple times a day, and I resolved my problem. So my range of motion restored. The trigger points that I had in my shoulder blade disappeared. I stopped stretching. I stopped ticking. I had this habitual tick constantly to alleviate the annoying sensation that was on my left upper traps, all that disappeared in four days. Started to take course after course after course, fell in love with it, repeated the courses, and now I am a senior faculty with the McKenzie Institute USA. There's 18 of us in the United States, 
18 instructors. It's a large organization worldwide, 40 countries. We are growing. Well, people are paying attention to uh, mechanical diagnosis and therapy. I am now in Miami Beach. I'm 52. I'm a father for three little boys. Started a little later in life. And um, all I do is MDT. So I teach that to uh, professionals, chiropractors, physical therapists, medical doctors, nurses, athletic trainers, as well as do corporate education on prevention strategies for common mechanical pain, such as neck pain, back pain, sciatica, stiffness, knee, hip, etc. So that's where uh, I am right now. I'm in Miami Beach, and welcome to Miami Beach. You have learned a lot. So for the audience listening, McKinsey is a world-renowned physical therapist who has methods, which Dr. Supran has apparently mastered. Uh, Bob and Brad really like the McKinsey method. We have like a handful of his little user-friendly books here at the studio. So anyway, we're going to talk about your book you released called Aging Without Aching. So who is this book for? So... You know, the book, basically, the idea of writing the book, first of all, during the pandemic, you know, no one came to the office. I was like, well, I have a lot of time on my hand. And everyone always told me that my story is an interesting story. You know, how I, how I always told patients who had back pain to, to do those stretches, you know, and I'm, and I'm showing it now on the screen. So when anyone has, anyone that had back pain, I would say to them, you know, bend forward in the shower, have the hot water hit your back, try to touch your toes, hug your knees to your chest in the morning, do the child's pose, you know, if your back hurts. And if it goes into your buttock, you know, do the piriformis stretch. These were very common stretches that I would give people to do. And I didn't realize that some of the patients who did that actually while it felt good to do those stretches, I would get a phone call a few hours later, like, after we worked out, I'm so much worse. And, I, and it blew my mind. I thought stretching is the right thing for everyone. As a trainer, I thought stretching is mandatory. And when it feels good, you want to do it. So I would tell people, do it a lot throughout the day. And I never realized that mechanical pain presents in the following way. So... You sit for a while, whether it's on your sofa, in your car, at a restaurant, at the office. You get up in the first couple of steps as you walk. You feel this mechanical blockage in your back, possibly some buttock pain. Maybe it's radiating into your hamstring. As a trainer, I told everyone, stretch your butt, stretch your hamstrings, and do those stretches I just showed. And I never really realized that some of those patients need movements that are opposite of those specific stretches. So I started to write the book, uh, basically reviewing in my history all those patients in my head that I told them to do certain stretches, and they got actually worse as a result of it. An interesting study that was published in 2020 by Rosedale et al., published in the Journal of Manual Manipulative Therapy, called the XPAS study, Extremity Pain of Spinal Source. This is a group of international researchers. And this study I mentioned in my TEDx talk that I did in October uh, 22 in Breckenridge, Colorado, which is, which is online. 71% of hip pain is not your hip. It's 
a problem in your back that manifests in the hip or into the leg. 47% of shoulder problems are not your shoulder. It's your neck and it manifests into the shoulder. So I always treated symptoms as a trainer. I never really learned to go to the root cause of the problem, which I learned as a physical therapist and then as a McKenzie mechanical therapist. And so the book was written for those people who are interested in understanding mechanical pain in these presentations that I just demonstrated, sitting on a chair, getting up, feeling stiff, neck pain, where yesterday you could turn your neck, no problem, and now it's stuck, it's stiff, it's radiating down. Uh, so the book is, is geared for those people who work out and experience those aches and pains, as well as the baby boomers who have already had, you know, Jack LaLanne and Jane Fonda, and they stretched their hamstring and strengthened their core and did mat pilates and yogi lattice, and they do CrossFit and they do Orange Theory, and they're trying everything, but they're still experiencing aches and pains. And furthermore, and I know we're going to touch upon it later on, especially now post-pandemic, so many people have noticed, and I've noticed as I was sitting more during the pandemic, people's posture has worsened in the past few years because we transitioned from ergonomic office setup to working from home. I mean, we have seen in the past three years, and we're seeing a spike in back pain, sciatica, neck pain, stiffness, just due to the fact that so many people have transitioned to working from home and people are not aware of ergonomics in the, in the house or in the home, in the office, home office. So anyone that sits for a prolonged period of time on their sofa, hunched over towards their laptop or having their iPad or their uh, or their you know, laptop on their laps as they're sitting in this curvature for a while, getting up, getting stiff. All those tips and strategies of how to live your life while you're working, whether it's home office or in the office now, are mentioned in the book. And they're piled up as a group of recommendations that will allow the listener or the reader, I'll say why I said listener in a second, to improve on their activities of daily living. Every exercise or every stretch I recommend here also has a QR code so you can literally get a video immediately right then and there uh, about 30 seconds to a minute why I support or suggest this exercise or that exercise, etc. So it was it was a, a, a great experience working with a fabulous publisher, OPTP, and they published my book, and the pandemic really allowed me to sit down, reflect back on my history, come up with ideas and strategies for the reader to allow them to age with an elegant posture, to allow them to age with minimal aches and pains. Mechanical pain, Mike, is, is, is the most common pain we feel. It comes and it goes. Some days it's on the right lower back. Some days it's on the left. Some days it goes down this leg. Some days it goes down. It changes location, intensity. Sometimes we wake up in the morning stiff. Sometimes we're fine. Anytime there's variability in presentation of the pain we feel, we're dealing with mechanical pain. 
one of the best things for mechanical pain is movement, not medications, not injections, not surgery. You know, unfortunately, in America, we are seeing a spike in surgeries, in MRIs. Only country in the world where people are rushing to get an MRI. And we know now, even when we teach, we, we mention it to the students. You know, MRI findings, whether you're in pain or not in pain, that's the cool thing. There's a lot of people with no pain who go get an MRI, and the MRI findings are horrible degenerative disc disease, bone on bone, stenosis, and you ask the patient, how are you feeling? Well, I've been great for the past two weeks, but then the pain comes with a vengeance. And so MRI can be scary for some people, and, and it's really the only country in the world where people are funneled in to get an MRI. And, and I encourage your listeners to, to mention that also to their patients, to take it with a grain of salt, because there's a lot of times where people have good and bad days, and I love asking my patients, you know, what happens to your degenerative disc disease in the past two weeks if you have no pain? It's still there. What happens to your stenosis if you could walk the mall without any leg issues? It's still there. So there's a mechanical component that needs to be addressed, and movement is the best thing for mechanical problems. We're seeing a spike in addiction to opioids. It's all over the news. I highly recommend to watch on uh, Hulu, there's a show, it's called Dope Sick. It's about eight episodes about, you know, what happened with, with OxyContin in America. And a lot of people are getting injections for their pain. So the book calms the public down in terms of relating to those, you know, MRI findings, those recommendations to have an injection or surgery, etc. I think we're at a great time in history now post-pandemic, where so many people didn't move enough or chose the wrong type of exercise. For example, a lot of people during the pandemic sat at home and then they chose to buy a spinning bike without mentioning any particular company. And so they sat again in a C curvature that created some kind of a mechanical obstruction in their back. So Choice of exercise is very important. So I mention those things in the book, in Aging Without Aching, with the hope that it will allow the reader to gain enough tools to age with minimal aches and pains. So in your book, you also talk about some examples of functional fitness and how to incorporate that into your day. Would you mind explaining that to our audience? Sure. So you know, as a trainer working in the gym, I would move my clients from machine to machine to machine. And what we're actually seeing in the gyms these days is some of the some of the gyms are moving the machinery aside and creating more body weight. You know, the Romans, the Greeks, thousands and thousands of years ago did not have machinery. They knew origin. They knew insertion. They lifted bricks. They lifted wood. They lifted body weight. They were able to train their body in a functional manner. And I love that because training someone functionally allows them to use their body the way they need to use it in their 80s and 90s or, you know, anytime you do something as simple as this. For example, uh, let's think of most basic functional exercise is sit to stand, okay? So I can go to the gym and go into a leg press machine and do leg press, 
you know, push on a platform forward and backward and add weight, or I can functionally train my legs by sitting on a chair and getting up. This is, I'm pressing on Mother Earth. This is a functional way, a closed kinetic chain, functional way to train the legs. And I can hold dumbbells to add more weight. I can wear a weighted vest. You know, there's many ways to load the musculature of the, of the lower extremity when we do sit to stand uh, to, to be able to challenge the muscles, get them, you know, sore and strong. I stopped having people going to do leg press machine or leg extension machine. I try to use their body in the most functional way possible. Do things that you will use as you get older. Another functional exercise is uh, getting on the floor, literally sitting on the floor and getting back up. God forbid there's a fall. So do that 10 repetitions. I do that with older clients because falls are common and getting up is actually a chore for some people. So practicing that. I also love the balance effect of getting dressed. You know, so I recommend it in my book to do it in the corner, to have a safe area you know, behind you. But just getting in and out of in and out of pants, you know, donning and doffing, doing things in a functional way, repetitions, getting into the car, out of the car, into the car, out of the car. Practicing activities of daily living is a great way to train the body. And the more we can incorporate that and offer that to the population. And of course, I didn't mention the most important thing, maintaining the ability to walk, literally walking. My father is 93. My mom is 89. They walk a few times a day you know, for 15 minutes. They do small breaks. They, they do some stairs. They move their body because as people get older, they sit a lot. So we got to get convinced people, you don't have to be, you know, all day long, you know, doing certain things that are, you know, what do old people do? We, we, they sit a lot. They watch TV. They play on the computer. So interrupted. Go for a little walk. It doesn't have to be an hour. Do 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. That's functional fitness. Get the body moving. You know, we're hunters and gatherers. We, a million years ago, we, you and I, you know, Mike, we woke up in the morning. We went looking for fruit, vegetable, water. We bent forward. We climbed trees. You know, an animal chased us, we ran away. We saw game we wanted to eat, we chased it. We walked around all the time. We got back to the camp, you know, and we sat with the family and, you know, cooked whatever we caught. We moved. Unfortunately, in today's world, people are stuck hours at a time sitting, sitting rounded, um, sitting with the legs on some kind of an ottoman. You know, and so developing stiffness in this direction is very, very common. And so a choice of exercise to counteract it will be, for example, walking. I wouldn't put someone that sits all day on a recumbent bike or on any bike for the, for the mere effect of the need to move the body in a functional manner. What do you tell the uh, person that always tells me it hurts to walk so they don't want to do it? <laughs> so I'm interested to know 
why it hurts to walk, where does it hurt to walk. I'll give you an example of good pain. I have a patient right now. He starts a walk and his sciatica is hurting. However, and I never knew this as a trainer, and this is from Robin McKenzie's book, Treat Your Own Back. There's a phenomena, heavily documented, heavily researched phenomena called centralization. Centralization, and I'm getting the book as close as I can to the camera, the red represent pain, and you can see the arrows going up. As this gentleman that I'm working with right now is walking, he says to me, the more I push into it and I try to walk, my leg gets better. He thinks he's getting worsen as his symptoms are moving to the back. When I educated him of the importance of the pain shifting out of the back, you know, he realized that actually he's getting better as the pain shifts to the back. So my goal is always to find out what is it that, where is the location of pain and what is it that you're doing that allows the pain to move out of the leg into the back. In the past, when I was a trainer and someone would say, I'm starting a, you know, a run around the reservoir in Manhattan, in New York City, there's the reservoir in Central Park in the middle of, in the middle of, the, of, of Manhattan, People will say, I start and I have leg pain, and as I run, I'm getting back pain. I thought it was a bad thing. I didn't realize that's actually a good thing. I, my recommendations was, well, stop and stretch forward, but now I know that a lot of runners will actually benefit from backward bending, bending into the pain, moving into the pain, not away from the pain, because if you ran and your sciatica became back pain, there's a much better chance you will, if you stop and bend backwards, that you will completely abolish your symptoms versus bending forward, which will feel good temporarily. It won't fix the problem. So back to your question, Mike, I want to know where the pain is. And often, once you understand mechanics and you can direct the patient to not fear pain, because pain is, you know... It's a phenomenon that we are told is a bad thing, but it's not. You got to understand pain. Where is the pain? As a trainer, you know, I always said no pain, no gain. And then a patient goes to a doctor and he or she will say, if it hurts you, don't do it. The public is confused. What, what planet should I be on? Should I be on planet no pain, no gain? Or should I be on planet if it hurts me, I shouldn't do it? Well, it depends. Where is the location of the pain? How long have you had it? Does it come and go? Are there days you can walk with no problems versus days you cannot walk? All these help me find out uh, the, the, the classification I'm dealing with, and, and it will help me find what's called a directional preference, specific exercise that will restore you know, the patient's ability to move without aches or pains. That's a very thought-out answer. <laughs> you almost knew that ahead of time. <laughs> All right. So in your book, you also talk about posture and the importance of it. Could you tell us three posture exercises that you would recommend? Okay. So Mackenzie said, there's, there's a video of him online 
he says, um, if there's one thing that will help more people in one hit, will be to ensure that everyone sits properly. Now, there's disagreement around the world. What does, there's no such thing really as correct posture, because what might be correct for me may, may hurt you. But there are certain changes of posture that we all experienced um, that affect our symptoms. So throughout my career, and I've been doing this you know, now over 20 years, uh, I have learned that there are certain specific exercises that if a patient does regularly, it will allow them to make sure their spine ages in an S curvature. So let me have a spine here. So here's your right butt, left butt, lumbar lordosis, thoracic kyphosis, cervical lordosis, right? So if the spine ages into an S, in general, S for safety. So our goal is, and, and you know, our list, your listeners, our listeners right now, they're familiar with people who sat for a prolonged period of time. And when they got up, they felt this obstruction. And then as they walk, often people feel better as they ap approach the S curvature. And that we see it on a daily basis. So the goal is to find specific exercise that can help you achieve the S curvature throughout the day, maintain it, practice it. And the first one that I wrote in the book is the one that was invented by Robin McKenzie. And it's called the slouch overcorrect. He called it the slouch overcorrect originally. And that involved literally moving from a slouched posture to an erect upright posture, okay? A slouch posture is something that we all, uh, we all see on a daily basis. The problem is we were told as kids by our mothers, our teachers, grandparents, sit straight. Kids sit straight for five, 10 minutes. I'm sure, Mike, you remember some point in your childhood someone told you to sit straight. We hold it for a few minutes and then we say, screw that, we can't, and we go back to here. We try maybe one or two more times and kids give up because what actually happens is you're isometrically contracting the back muscles, demanding from those muscles to hold you upright. You're not giving them any rest. And so how long can someone contract? It's the same as telling someone, go run a marathon. You can't just go and run a marathon. You got you to gotta train and rest and train and rest, do periodization. You got to know how to load. We don't do a bicep curl and we hold the dumbbell here. We got to rest it also. So the slouch over correct, or the way I called it in, 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 uh, in my book, you know, transition from zero to 100%. If this is 100% erect posture and this is zero, movement in this direction multiple times, you know, 10 repetitions, four or five times a day, and you are increasing your period of hold. When I'm saying hold, I go from 100% and then I relax 10%, hold it for a few minutes, slouch to 80%, decrease it to 50%, go down to zero, relax on your ligaments, but not for too long, for a minute or so, and then go back out of it. 
get out of this end range loading. We have all loaded our spine for hours, especially in the past few years when people work from home. And a lot of people worked on their kitchen counter, sofa, etc., in a strong C curvature. And so moving from here to here, that's the first exercise, the slouch over correct. After you sit, after you practice this, you should get, in this case, I have a McKenzie lumbar roll with me, something that supports your lower back and then maintains the lumbar lordosis. And now I can continue to work for a period of time, but then again, still need to move in this direction. We will see, for example, LeBron James. He always carries a lumbar roll with him. LeBron runs faster, jumps higher, feels less pain when his lumbar spine is supported. And we see that now with a bunch of NBA players. You know, you can Google 10 things Chris Paul doesn't leave the house with. The first thing is a lumbar roll. We have really intelligent players now that are realizing if you push your lower back forward, not backward, because I for years told people, flatten your lower back into the floor, into the mattress, imprint it down, where actually a lot of people do need some accentuation of the lumbar spine. So the slouch over correct, accentuate it, and then you move out of it. You you load your musculature, you hold it for a few seconds, you let go. That's exercise number one. Exercise number two is thoracic extension. The thoracic spine is a rigid area in our back, and it's, it lives its life in kyphosis. A lot of people type with their arms leaving their body, loading the thoracic spine even more. And as a result of it, we see a lot of people approaching as they get older you know approaching this position where the thoracic spine is stuck forward the head is forward and so the second exercise is to try to address the thoracic spine and that is thoracic extension so what you need is a chair that has a low back something that hits you let me get a little closer to the camera so you guys can see it better Okay, so a low back chair, your hands are clasped or relaxed, but hold the back of your head, elbows together. And again, everything I recommend right now, you should have a mechanical assessment first to make sure this is the appropriate exercise for your specific needs. But if you have no problem and you want to test it out, feel free to do that. Hands together, elbows parallel, and you exhale as you bend backwards. Exhale, bend backwards, and I feel the pressure from the chair right at my thoracic spine at one level. Then I scoot my butt a little forward. Now the chair hits me about an inch higher, and I go and I do another five to ten repetitions of thoracic extension, and further glide forward and do another set of that. And so eventually I get to cover a bunch of points in the thoracic spine, enough real estate to try and loosen up the kyphosis that the thoracic spine lives in. I'm 52. I refuse to age stuck forward. I refuse to push a walker in the future. I know the benefit of keeping my spine upright. Everything in the body works better when the spine is happy and the nerves that come out of the spines are happy. 
here we load the spine in a certain manner, here we relieve it. So thoracic extension is, is, is the next exercise. And the last one, that is called the wall alignment. The wall alignment uh, is done against the wall where you actually bring your head and your palms, you open your palms forward, all the fingers go to the wall, you retract your head straight back and you do repetitions of opening the chest, opening, retracting the head, opening the chest, letting go. Repetitions of this movement. I used to give patients a lot the corner stretch and I stopped doing the corner stretch because I noticed that patients, number one, don't do it a lot. No one likes to be stuck in the corner. Number two, if they are practicing this, they increase the time of them doing it during the day. And so they can stand eventually at a gas station, at a supermarket. It's just an easy motion to do. It's really important, in my opinion, to age with the ability to retract your head without the nose coming up. So I'll get a little closer to the camera. You'll see me retracting. It's almost like a double chin. Think of someone that ate a lot of garlic is coming to kiss you and you move <laughs> your head straight back away from them. That motion, almost like a drawer that's pulling back, that motion has saved me from developing recurrence of my symptoms. I learned that if I, if I look at my phone or at my laptop for too long with my head forward or I sit and watch TV with my head with pillows behind, you know, leaning leaning against the headboard in bed with pressure behind my neck gave me recurrence of my upper trap and shoulder blade spasms. First thing I do, I correct my posture. I, I change my posture and I start to retract my head. I can tell you, Mike, that I do this motion daily, probably 40 to 60 times, in addition to other things. And again, you should get assessed to make sure this is the appropriate movement for you. In addition to that, I also extend my neck. And I add a little bit of overpressure on that. That helps clear any stiffness that I may develop, usually more left than right, in the joints of the neck. So I'm using movements that we rarely really do on a daily basis. The neck moves forward, we brush our teeth, we shave, we drink our coffee, we eat our meals, we look at laptops, we drive. The head migrates forward eight pounds multiple times a day. People type hours a day, and eventually we get to 8, 60, 70 stuck here. And another problem with being stuck here is the center of gravity now shifts forward. So there's a better chance of me falling if I'm stuck like this when I'm 70 or 80 versus here. So it's also another fun functional way to look at it is you're doing those exercises not only because it looks nice and elegant to maintain upright posture as you age, but it also helps to prevent falls in the future. So to summarize, we have the slouch overcorrect, the 0 to 100%. We have thoracic extension and we have the wall alignment. All three of those are combined with a QR code um, in my book, and, and I hope the listeners will enjoy it. Here's the last one. That's the wall alignment opening the palms, opening the chest wall. You can also do it once a person achieves good range. You can do it also with a foam roller in the thoracic spine. Put that against the wall. Stand, you know, stand 
against it and just use it as an additional um, range to open the chest wall even further and to retract the head even further. So for those listening, you're going to have to probably watch that to understand exactly everything. Best, yes. Best if you watch it on on your guys, uh, on Rob and Brad's, um, Bob and Brad's YouTube. Yep. All right, we're going to get into specific body parts and pains and habits you see. So we're going to start with neck pain since we talked about a little bit. So what is a habit you see most people do that is wrong, and how would you recommend fixing it? Okay, great question. I will go back to my pipif, which is, let me just circle back here. This is it. I know he looks a little bit like Vladimir Putin, but no, <laughs> no intent. But looking down, I mean, guys, looking down at the phone, why do people do that is beyond me. Now, how do you avoid it? How can you fix it? A simple solution. I'm a righty. First of all, I would recommend for anyone to have some kind of a button or a ring in the back of their phone to help hold the weight of the phone. I'm righty, so I'm taking my non-dominant, my left hand, and I, and I basically weave it underneath and I extend my fingers and now I'm looking at my phone at eye level, okay? So I can scroll to look at emails or texts with my dominant hand. I'm just reading here. If I have to type, I will use two thumbs. I'll drop my gaze. My eyes look down. I will not drop the weight of the head. So that's something I would encourage people um, to keep in mind, going going into ergonomics just a bit, not a lot, just a bit, another thing that is very important that people are not aware, when we use technology, is to make sure when you're using a laptop or a desktop that the monitor, <coughs> excuse me, the monitor, the eyes are at the top of the monitor looking at the screen but elbows should be by the side of the body. Get yourself a chair with the lumbar support. Hips should be slightly above knees to allow for the S curvature to be achieved with more ease. Keyboard that comes to you, adjustable high desk. Um, that's a big thing. Every corporation is now offering, most corporations are offering uh, the ability to do uh, sit to stand. We need to move more. We're sitting for too long. And so, um, Aligning yourself properly or setting your body right properly when you type for a while is very, very important. So phone usage and a little bit of ergonomics at the office and then and at work. And those posture stretches you just went over would really work for neck pain. Uh, they should, yes. They should really help. So if, if someone calls me, you know, my neck hurts, what's the first thing I should do? First thing, first thing, change your posture. First thing, change your posture. Ask the patient again, what happened to your pain here? Next thing, if that gave some relief, retract your head a little bit. Start working on that. Obviously, again, get checked. Make sure you have a mechanical assessment done. But often if people call me like, my neck hurts. Okay, change your posture. What happens to it? Next category is the almighty back pain, which is very prevalent nowadays. So what are some habits you see and how should someone fix it? So the habits are, again, 
post-pandemic where people sit, and I have a sofa here in my office. Let me just move the chair so you can, you guys can see it. The habits are sitting for a prolonged period of time uh, on low, deep sofas. People come home, they sit all day at the office, and then they sit with the legs on the coffee table, falling into a strong C curvature. And so my spine is now... I am loading the ligaments in my spine, whether I sit like so or I sit in bed like so. Um, you know, basically, anytime we hang in this position, the ligaments in the spine that connect bone to bone are getting, it's called creep loading. Creep loading, over a period of time, the ligament starts to become extra flexible. That's why people say, all I did was I took a piece of paper out of the printer and my back went out. How is it possible that something so trivial threw my back out? Well, what did you do 24 hours before? Oh, I did watch TV for a while or sit in a C curvature for a while. And that's often the culprit. That's often, not always, something that has a relationship to uh, a creation of back pain. So people say to me, but I don't want to sit with a lumbar roll on my sofa. Okay, fine. You can get a decorative bolster. You can get something in your lower back that if you want to slouch and relax, you know, at least maintain the S curvature of the spine. Now I'm not loading my ligaments. I took them out of creep loading and I'm changing the position of the joints of my spine, which will help me reduce stiffness. Number one. Number two, let's say I did develop back pain. And if you call me, you know, Yoav, you say, my parents just arrived at Miami International Airport. Dad took the luggage out of the conveyor belt and threw his back out. What should I do? The emergency panic procedure, if I had to guess, will be for back pain, will be to lie prone first for a few minutes prop on your elbows, lying prone in extension for a few minutes. If this is too painful, go back to lying prone. When this becomes comfortable, try to push your upper body up, especially repetitions of that, extensions in lying. Again, you should get assessed for it. But if someone says to me, I'm giving you a million dollars, get me out of this pain. I just was at the airport, took the luggage, threw my back out, lie on the floor, rest on your belly. I would not tell them, knowing they were on the plane, knowing that the accident, quote-unquote, was bending and lifting a suitcase, there's a very good chance I will not tell them to bend forward and alleviate their back pain. Again, this might feel good. It will not fix the problem. Usually, to fix the problem, we need to move in the direction of the pain, into the pain, not away from the pain. So uh, the, ex the, the three exercise emergency panic procedures are from McKenzie's book, Treat Your Own Back. Um, and I highly recommend at least reading that as, 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 getting a, as, as a way of getting a little bit more uh, knowledge as to the benefits, the possible benefit of extension. Yes, all the McKinsey books are written for the layperson. They're pretty short and to the point and give lots of demonstrations for people who have never read them before. 100%. All right. Sorry, were you say something? 100%. No, no. Okay. Uh, next question, we're going to talk about shoulder pain. So common habits you see and how people can correct it. 
So shoulders, you know, it's a ball of socket joint, shoulders and hips. So there's multiple ranges we can move in. There's, you know, we, we, we basically have limitless possibilities of movement. What we don't do a lot with our shoulders, so let's think on a 24-hour period, what do we do? We hold the wheel, we cut food, we type, you know, uh, we shave, we move our shoulders, you know, we take a sweatshirt or a shirt out of a dress, out of, out of a cabin, whatever it is. The motion is usually here, where we usually don't go where we usually don't take the, the, the joint is movements here or here, what's called functional internal rotation. And so, you know, we see people hold their shoulders a lot like so. You know, that, that's us, human beings, that's we usually operate here. Um, again, as hunters and gatherers, we used to do more things here. We don't a lot today. And so, and plus, people go to the gym, they do too heavy flies and bench press and all kinds of activities that close the body and so the shoulders uh, are suffering as a result of the fact that people are not aware and I wasn't aware as a trainer that if someone types a lot the more flies or the more bench press you give them you will tighten them even further and so and again I always have to preface you should get assessed but if your shoulder hurts I will examine what is the effect of shoulder extension. So I'm placing my, um, my arm directly behind me and I'm squatting down. As my arm goes up, that is called shoulder extension. I want to see what the effect of doing that repetitively has to do on your ability to do, whether it's abduction or flexion, etc. Whatever baseline of pain that the patient presents with, I, when I assess them, I assess their extension. I also, <clears throat> excuse me, assess their internal rotation. And so McKenzie wrote not only spine books, a lot of people are not aware of it. He wrote, treat your own shoulder, treat your own hip, treat your own knee. So that mentioned here, uh, she has it with her palm down. Some people benefit with the palm down. Some people benefit with the palm up doing shoulder extension by the patient or functional internal rotation using using not so much using a uh, a towel i would use more of a, a belt to try to pull up and let go do repetition of that and again check the baselines afterwards Okay, next category is knee pain. So what are some common habits people have and what should they do to fix it? So look, we sit a lot. The knees bent all day, right? You're sitting now, you know, most people are sitting during the day. So the knee joint is flexed during the day a lot. If a person has no history of back pain, there's no relationship to the spine. They have a mechanical problem where they sit for a while and when they get up, they complain of stiffness in the knee joint or, you know, that the joint doesn't go to that full terminal extension or they're hopping around. And then as they walk, the knee feels better, you know, just by moving. If a person, that's often what I see. If, if, if a person presents in that way, there is a good chance they will benefit 
from some form and now I'm showing Treat Your Knee by Robin McKenzie. I'm showing a few progressions of knee extension. It can start with just, you know, um, quad sets, literally, just literally extending the knee and holding for five seconds as tight as possible. Um, progressing it to uh, partially loaded could be on the floor or on a chair, adding some more overpressure. Our goal in general is to get the patient to treat themselves. Uh, and so a lot of the time extension could be beneficial. However, there are studies that show that when someone has really arthritic knees, very arthritic knees, they will benefit more from flexion. And so there are specific flexion maneuvers that might be important. I recently, two weeks ago, had an older lady who did flexion with a towel, a towel behind her knee. And the more we loaded her in this position, her ability to go downstairs improved dramatically. She had pain going downstairs here in my office, and she did repetitions of knee flexion with a towel behind her. Gave some space to the joint. The beginning, the first 10, 20 repetitions were painful, and then it was no worse as a result. And she got into it and into it, and then she said, it actually feels good. We loaded, loaded, go back to the staircase, check it. She went downstairs. She said, I can't believe it. A year of having problem going downstairs resolved with knee flexion. So... Important to understand what's the directional preference. You need to have a mechanical assessment. Because we spend a lot of time in our day sitting, extension of the knee is the first I would check. But don't neglect also uh, flexion of the knee. And the last body part we're going to talk about is hip pain. So how can someone fix hip pains and what are some common problems you see? Uh, I'm going back to the XPA study, extremity pain of spinal sore. So if someone says, my hip hurts, and they're pointing at their butt, in our world, this is not a hip problem. In our world, this is a back problem, especially if they also mention that they have back pain on that side. But assuming it has no relationship, no relationship to the spine, spine has been ruled out. Because we sit hours a day, because our hips, again, just like our knees, common sense, because our hips are usually 90 degrees when we sit, flexed, and people say, you know, my hip flexors are tight, you know, what's the most important uh, maneuver I would choose when someone comes and they have groin pain a lot of the time, which is, you know, demonstrated often with a hip derangement. If that's the case, I will check the benefit of loaded hip extension. So I would use some kind of a cushion under the knee, dropping a cushion on the floor, putting my right knee on it, left leg in the front, and I would push myself into a repeated hip extension. Sometimes I'll need to go faster or ballistic into it, there are times when someone needs to do that with a hip in internal rotation or external rotation. Sometimes we have to change the angle. The common thing is we do a lot is we cross our legs. So right now I'm externally rotating my hip. I've had a bunch of patients who had a full resolution when we did hip extension 
while their hip is in internal rotation and extension. And so we cover this in our courses in part C, McKenzie part C, we address advanced lumbar spine with lower extremity, we address the hip, knee, and ankle. Part D is advanced cervical spine, we address the neck, but we go into shoulder, elbow, wrist. So MDT is not just back or neck. A lot of people are not aware of it. McKenzie is not just spine. McKenzie is the, is the full body, basically. And so the hip is another very interesting, challenging joint. And if someone is older and they need um, to use a chair to do hip extension, then you just use the chair. You can load it like so, and you get the same benefit, the same effect. You can do it on a sofa. Um, repetitions of that, and then recheck the baseline, whether it was squatting, whether it's going up and down the stairs, etc. So if people want to find out more information about you or your book, where can they go to do that? Okay, so the book is uh, on optp.com. It's called Aging Without Aching. And uh, it's also on Amazon. Those of you who are on Instagram, Dr. Yoav, D-R-Y-O-A-V, D-R-Y-O-A-V on Instagram. I post content there. I also post content on LinkedIn. And uh, Yoav Suprun, S-U-P-R-U-N is my last name. And basically also on my website, which is dryoav.com, D-R-Y-O-A-V.com. Uh, and anything I can do to further assist anyone who's interested in studying or learning MDT, or if that's a direction they're interested in exploring, I'll be happy to um, answer any email, any questions. On Facebook, it's South Beach Spine Physical Therapy. That's on Facebook. On Twitter, it's uh, Ask Dr. Yoav, A-S-K-D-R-Y-O-A-V. I think we cover all social media. Well, thank you for joining us today. This was a very informative and well done podcast uh, by you. <laughs> thank you very Thanks for inviting me, guys. I appreciate it.